You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, Episode 79. One thing I would suggest is find out what the learning style is of the client. And if they can't see it, can they feel it? Can they even begin to talk about what might be different? Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hi there. Welcome to the show. Hopefully, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and just want to give you a heads up as I tape this. We're having a blustery day in Texas, so you might hear Mother Nature saying hello outside the window, rustling the trees. And so I welcome Mother Nature to the show and all of you and want to let you know how excited I am to share this new show with you. And that's because I know you've heard me say many a time how excited I am about a particular topic or being able to bring a particular speaker to you. What's unique about this week's show is that it is a follow-up to a show that we had, episode 73 with Meg Mann. At the time, we were focused around the energy that we as coaches bring into a session, how we're responsible for that energy, and how to be within a session. And at the time, we gave a heads up that we were going to do a follow-up interview and invite the audience to the taping of that show so that they could ask questions around client energy and how to best partner with our clients in their energy in a session. So we've recorded that show. We had several listeners come and ask wonderful questions. And that's what today's show is going to be. So if you haven't heard episode 73, I'm going to put a link in the show notes so that you can go back and listen if you'd like. It's not necessary to listen prior to this episode, but I would encourage you to hear both because it gives both sides of the coin, the coach's energy and the client's energy. In addition, Meg has supplied some wonderful slides and resources for both shows, and you can access those at starcoachshow.com. I would encourage you to download those and have those as resources in your library. Now, let me remind you who Meg Mann is and what what we can expect to learn today. Meg is a master certified coach who is absolutely passionate about coaching, about helping others be the best coaches they can be, partnering with her clients in a powerful way. She is just a wealth of information, but so gracious and generous in her willingness to share that and an incredibly fun person to spend time with. So I have felt very blessed in being able to spend time with her twice now. She completed her formal coach training in 2004 and has been an MCC since 2008. She's involved with the ICF Global and lives in 
Portugal with her husband, where they own a coaching company and do lots of work with leaders. I want to thank the listeners who came to the recording and brought their wonderful questions. I want all of you to just maybe sit in this. I will tell you that I had to listen to this episode a couple times because it was so rich in information that I just kept wanting to listen again and gain more. So I hope you really enjoy our topic around client energy with questions and answers from our listeners. Well, questions from the listeners and answers from Meg. So let's go to our interview. Meg, welcome back to the Star Coach Show. It is good to see you again all the way over there in Portugal. Thank you. It's great to be here again. I always love being with your energy, Meg. It's great. Well, and energy is the focus. So how incredibly appropriate is that? For our listeners who might be tuning in for the first time, a Master Certified Coach Meg Mann was with us in March on a show on how we as coaches bring energy into our sessions and how we're responsible for that energy and how to show up at our best for our clients. Well, we are half of who's in a coaching session. The other half of that is the client. And the client also brings energy And as coaches, we want to be able to heighten our awareness of client energy and how we coach around that client energy. As a matter of fact, part of coaching presence is noticing and exploring shifts of energy in our clients, helping our clients become more aware of that. So we're going to focus on that today in a wonderful new way, which was Meg's idea to invite listeners to be part of the show today. So we have some listeners who have registered to come and are here, um, and and we're going to be taking some Q&A from them in just a few minutes. But Meg, what would you like to start in sort of laying the foundation for our topic today in helping us as coaches respond to our clients' energy? Yeah. Well, there, thank you, Meg. There's there are a couple of things, as you say, that it, it it's mentioned about noticing the client's energy and coaching around the client's energy uh, in several places in our core competencies. And and I'm sure in answering some of the participants' questions today, we'll get to those specific core competencies. But I just want to get back to what we talked about in the in the in the podcast, and that is that our own responsibility of bringing our energy. And I find that the more we are aware and mastering our own energy and staying aligned with that energy, it's far easier for us to be noticing what belongs to the client and what belongs to us and to be able to sort of stay strong in our and rooted in our own position as the coach in that relationship. So that kind of sets the foundation, if you will. And the more we become aware of it and we, and the client energy comes at us and we're not aligned and centered. We, we can kind of feel it. It starts, ooh. Oh, yeah. And we're not the only ones that can feel it, huh? Exactly. So the, yeah. there it's, and it is, a, as you mentioned, it's a symbiotic relationship. So, right, it, it's going, as, as all relationships are, but I think it, we as coaches need to be, I don't want to say hypersensitive, but just hyper aware and a little more vigilant about our own energy and really paying attention 
to the client's energy. So we want to come with that kind of strong but clean slate as the objective partner for our client in their journey and really be able to, that then we can, we're better able to pick up on those nuances and the shifts that we either see or hear or perceive. Well, and I, what's your take on how tuned in our clients are to the energy that they're bringing? Oh, in my experience, probably pretty low. (laughs) Awareness is pretty low. Again, if they haven't encountered that in any way previously, it's it's something new to them. They may feel kind of off today, or they may have done some other work on their their emotional well being. They may have studied EQ and, and working on their EQI, those kinds of things. But I find that that often my clients are quite interested to learn more about the energy that they are emitting and perceiving. But no, often, that sounds so so harsh, but often they're they're quite I think that that's part of creating awareness that that we're kind of in that space at times without being aware. So when we have a partner who is willing to bring that awareness forward for us and Mm -hmm. ask about it and observe and and explore it, we're, we're creating a new space of awareness for the client. Absolutely. And, and think about it. If, you, if any of you have ever done peer coaching, we as coaches, and we, we are supposed to be so super aware, we are have a higher level of awareness than most people. Even when you're doing peer coaching and your coach will say, will mirror back something or notice something, you go, oh, yeah, I didn't. Oh, you're right. I hadn't realized that. So again, the whole beauty of our profession is to serve that role of, of mirroring and and feedback. Absolutely. So another point being to not fall into the place of assumption that Mm -hmm. my client already knows where they're at, or I don't want to ask about that because I don't want to to create some kind of a negative energy by asking about what you're right. feeling. In fact, you're, you're ser- doing a service to your client by staying tuned in and aware and cr- helping create some awareness. From, in my, from my perspective and my experience, it's fundamental for us to do that. And I think that many of the coaches that I work with, they, I think that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this live was to hear some of the challenges. But I think we, we all struggle a bit on how to present what we're seeing yeah. or hearing or perceiving. You know, what that, that direct communication of feedback or responding to what we're picking up, noting what's going on with the, with the client can be a challenge. Because as you say, in our head, we're going, oh, I don't know. I just, oh. So and we've got all that back talk in our own head and it gets in the way of being there. Yep. (laughs) You've seen, you've seen that movie. I've been there. So let's let, let me ask you that. And then I'm going to open it up to some questions for, for coaches, but let's say you're in that place in a coaching session and, and you're feeling something coming from your client and maybe you get into that internal battle of how do I even bring this forward? Or I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or maybe they don't want to, maybe they don't want to go there. What might you suggest for some things to think about if you're in that coach's seat? Okay. Well, I think what I have learned for me, because I'm an extroverted thinker, and I have to, to sort of dial that back when I'm coaching. What I've, one of the things I've learned that works really well for me is to slow my pace so that I perceive it or I hear it. And it's kind of, it's like a hearing a wrong note in music, mm-hmm. you know, an off note. You kind of go, oh. and in that nanosecond, and it takes practice, but in that nanosecond, 
there is that bit of thing, is this my stuff or is it client stuff? Or I heard it, do I say anything? And often I will just kind of take it in and note it. Ah, there was something there. I heard that shift. When it becomes something that is pretty important to the client or a blind spot for the client or something that's niggling at them and they may not be aware of it, in my experience, it usually comes back again. So in other words, I have learned to not feel worried if I missed it and didn't say anything. Because inevitably, if it's one of those things that needs to bubble up, it will bubble up. That is so good. I want everybody to really hear that. It will come back up when it's important. And if we get in a place of doubting ourselves or beating ourselves up over then it's a lose-lose. It is. We're not, we're not fully present. We're, not, we're no longer listening. So it, what's helpful for me is just to think of it as, as I say, that sort of that off note kind of going, hmm. okay? I don't know. I think of a little dog's ears perking up. Exactly. Yeah. They not exactly. Like, yeah. Right. Not exactly sure what they're going to do, but they're, they're attentive. So, yeah. so you've noticed, is, it's like, hmm. okay. And then something else and you kind of go, I think it's also more impactful feedback for the client when you say, you know, you, you've mentioned three times that you're worried about or concerned about, or I've heard this word come up several times in the conversation. What's going on there? So I think to actually to relax and be confident that if it's something that deserves mirroring or feedback or a deeper exploration, it will be repeated. And that works for energy with the client when they're in the sort of the I don't want to say the negative sales, but the, the worry, the concern, the troubling. The heavy Equal, emotions, maybe. The yeah. heavier. Yeah. Equally with the passionate ones. Equally with the, they're getting jazzed about something. You want to but note those things as well. Absolutely. So when you see the spark in their eyes or they, they get lighter and they go, oh, right? Pay attention to those things and, and begin to trust your own intuition and trust in the process. Okay, so hello, Diane. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. And what well, questions do you have you. for Meg? Thank you, and thank, thanks to both Megs. <laughs> and I really appreciate this topic. Thank you very much. I'm an instructor in one of the coaching programs here, and my particular mm-hmm. uh, class is about the use of self in coaching. My comment is about one of the things that we look at is individuals motivational need for affiliation, power, and achievement, mm-hmm. and how they, they take an assessment in order to find where they're at with that. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we are, we are finding that people who have, like, for example, a high need for affiliation will work with their clients in a way where they, they may not challenge them or they may mm-hmm. just want to say things that will make them like them. High need for achievement is, you know, more driving personalities who by the end of that hour, they want to have goals from that person or right. they, they won't feel that they've, you know, very satisfied in themselves as a coach or yes. um, they want for, you know, high need for influence or power. All those kind of needs also play a part. And absolutely, you've got to have that self-awareness and know those kind of things. So thank you so much for this, this area of study that, that you're thank presenting. You. Well, you know, to be honest, Diane, I think the whole, I've said this before, that we are so blessed to be in a profession where we get paid to do our own work. So <laughs> that our clients bring us opportunities for us to experience our own self-realization and, and transformation, no doubt. And it's, thank you for sharing that because it's really important 
for us to understand our motivation, for us to understand ourselves well enough to know what is my resistance to asking or what am I feeling responsible for? And, and am I really responsible for that? Because I think most of us go into coaching because we want to help people. We want to make the world a better place. But we're not responsible for all that work. We're only responsible for our own. So thank you for pointing that out. For us to understand what our drivers are is fundamental as well. Excellent. I think Susan is next. Meg, my question is about coaching someone who, who you can just feel is angry but yet they are muffling it and you can tell they're throttling it back. And I hate to say passive aggressive, but I can't help but think it's probably passive aggressive. This has been happening several times with this one client. Yes, Mm -hmm. it does come back. I'll have another chance since I missed the last one. So how do you work with that kind of energy? Well, I'm going to invite you. Thank you very much for that. I'm going to invite you to consider not putting a label on it. Ah, okay. So, and I know that we, it's human nature is what we do. And again, with our, des- our strong desire to help and resolve, we want to go there. But maybe just for me, I have to kind of unplug. I, I visualize that I'm unplugging a part of my brain, actually okay. the, left, the left side of my brain, because I train very analytically. And I just have to unplug that. I love to solve problems, but I'm not there to solve the problem. So maybe taking a step back and saying, what is my role here? What am I responsible for? Number one, because it's really up to the client. And then dial it back a bit and say, what is it that's triggering me to make that leap to say it's passive aggressive or it's anger? What am I really observing or perceiving in the client? So if you were to reflect on those sessions you've had with that particular client, what are the behaviors What's the tone of voice? What's the language? Be very specific on those things that are, that's another kind of dissonance that you're hearing. You know, that, those, those little pings, you know, it's causing your ears to go up. What is it? And don't leap to the, the conclusion of what it is. Right. But does if, that make sense? It does. But what if I observe attack and retreat, attack and retreat, like a little bit ekes out as an attack. Okay. Retreats back into quietness and like okay, but dial it back even before the, what you're what you're calling attack. All right, so I'm going to be real blunt. That's we're making we we can't help but make the judgments. But again, one of the things as we move towards greater mastery is to just go back and be what Eckhart Tolle talks about: simply the observer. So you mentioned saying things like "What's going on?" I noticed you're getting triggered by this or sparked by this or wow I notice you seem excited about that or um yeah if 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 it if there's using the word excitement I'm often with people who are that triggered I may just mirror a word or I may simply notice okay when you talk about that your body does this what what's happening so be really really basic simple of language are you, is this face-to-face or just on the phone? It's all 100% phone. Okay. So, so I could say, so, I'm hearing, I'm hearing yeah. some energy around that right. situation, which I'm saying is anger. Maybe it's not, but maybe just say that, that sounded like a, a, a big topic or I'm hearing something. Just I don't say, anger, yeah, I wouldn't even say big, you know, and that's what I'm saying. The simpler you keep it, this is my, my become my mantra. The less I say, the less I'll get in trouble. So, so just, just noticing saying, 
okay, you just talked to, let's say, let's hypothetically, I had a client who was, who was really angry about his boss and the, the voice changed, the tone mm-hmm. of voice changed, the speed with which he spoke changed. Okay. So he's, you know, I, I interpreted it as anger, but I didn't want to project that my interpretation. on. I said, okay, interesting to see or to hear when you talk about Bob, this is, this is what I heard. How are you feeling? What's going on for you? What's happening? Thank you. Keep it, keep it, the old kiss principle, keep it very simple and only notice shifts in tone of voice, speed of voice, language. And the more you do that, there are a couple of things that happen. Number one, you, you practice yourself of staying out of that realm of pigeonholing or judging or interpreting in any way. Okay. Cause that can, sometimes it may not be, it may be something else uh, or it may be, but that's not relevant. But what if this and, is the same issue that came up in the 360 loud and clear and now I'm seeing it. Okay. So that's it. Hold, hold that for just a second. Okay. If you, if, if you, if we, those of us, we do it a lot and you probably, you may have had this in your own personal relationships. Sometimes when, when somebody confronts you with the judgment or the declaration, you're angry or you're getting excited. I know I hate it when my husband says, just chill. At that moment, I don't need you to tell me that I'm not chilled. <laughs> okay. So you may be causing more triggering by telling him or her, about the anger. So, so just keep in mind that the more neutral obje- objective observer we can be, the more powerful it is for your client to begin to make a connection to what is happening. Because when we're in that emotional state, we're not necessarily rational. And what you want to do is to heighten, it's one other way of heightening awareness for the client to start to say, what, what's, what are you feeling? Okay. Where are you feeling it? So as again, very, very basic. When they, when they lo- get lower below the line of rationality, you can talk about 360. But to do that as the, as the mirroring piece may not be the opportune time. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you. And, and I always like, you know, 360s, I always like to say, what did you notice? Or what, what kind of things come up when this comes up for you in your she life? At all. And it was so loud and clear, but yeah. And then, and then the other, the other piece that I wanted to mention to you, because this came up when I was reviewing the question. So thank you so much for sending it in. One way to kind of, I wanted to say deflect, but it's not deflect. It's actually enhancing the whole coaching process. One thing is to go back to what the goals were of the client. So if you go back to what, what the client's original goals or even the session goal and just simply ask them, okay, so you've gotten them to be aware that they're shifting their emotions are changing, their energy is changing, they're feeling this. How does that link with their goals? Does it support? Does it support or does it not support? So if you start getting them to make a linkage with the state of being that they really are looking for, and they realize that doing this is not helping them get to that state of being little by little, but it's putting a puzzle together. You know, it's a, a Lego. It's not something, don't expect it. And please don't feel responsible for the outcome. It's not up to you. Thank you don't you. have to, you're not there to fix it. It's the, the client has full responsibility for the outcome. You are there as a partner in the journey to, to shine some light, to be a guide from time to time uh, and a neutral thought partner. You're not there to fix it. Thank you. Jill has a question, but she 
has an unsteady internet connection, so I'm going to ask it for her. She says, Meg, I have several clients who are able to state what they want in the positive, but who find it difficult to put themselves in the place of having achieved that desired outcome in order to envision and be able to describe it and make yeah. measure to it, etc. So how, if at all, can my energy as a coach be useful in supporting my client's ability to have the energy and vision to get past that overwhelm in order mm-hmm. to get to that exciting place of being able to see that and a clear vision of that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question, Jill. Some, a lot of clients, I, I deal with clients who are very analytical and, you know, kind of, they do the, <laughs> they need to see it in a spreadsheet in order to know. <laughs> That's the visioning that they can do is spreadsheet visioning. So, yeah, they struggle with it. So one thing is, I, I would suggest is find out what the learning style is of the client. And, and this, if they can't see it, can they feel it? Can they even begin to talk about what might be different when they, when they are there. Fast forward. I had one client who was really keen on sci- science fiction. So I, in the moment I said, let's get in a time machine, you know, so tap, try and tap into some of the language that they've used and the way that they approach things. So pay attention to that. So if you're thinking about visioning and they're not inclined to, to be able to visualize anything or they're not visual, then that may not work. So any simple question of what will be different in your life? What benefits do you want to get from this? So again, dial it back and keep it simple and see if they can't begin to articulate. Second thing is for us to all remember that we've been doing this training and we've been coaching and we're all excited about it. For many of our clients, this is a whole new journey and they're going to go at their own pace and their pace may be much slower than than ours, they we're sort of in a way training them, you know, to to what this is all about. So remember that we we may just be planting seeds, as my wonderful friend Vicky uh, says. We're you know, it's like taking a pot that's really root bound. Sometimes you just need to kind of loosen up the soil a bit. So give it some time. Try some different approaches and give it time. Plant the seeds, water them a little bit, move around with the roots. Yeah. Uh, and little by little, the client will start to get there because often what you're doing is dealing with resistance or somewhere in their mind going, yeah, well, yes, but yeah, I'll never be able to get there. So it could be a, a variety of things that they struggle with visualization and they are telling in their mind, they're telling themselves it'll never work. So take them with baby steps. Okay. I hope that helps. I like your concept of the time machine, Meg, because in my experience in working with clients in overwhelm, if somehow we can get them to the outcome without them thinking about how they had to get to the outcome, then they can reverse engineer into how they're going to do it. So if we can somehow, whether it's a, you know, magic wand question or a time machine question or somehow get them to that desired outcome magically and then be able to experience what that experience right. is, we can think about what would we be doing differently to be there. Yeah. And, and once, once you can go to the benefits too, I find that they, get, they can start tapping back into the motivation in the first yeah. place. If you say, well, what's, good, what's the ripple effect of this? What's the payoff when you get there? Because our brains do want to go to the how. They do, it, the brain wants to keep us stuck in the status quo. And one of the other things, I don't know if I have it here in my bookcase next to me, but Peter Block wrote a book called The Answer to How is Yes, so that we have to clearly define the what and the why 
And then the how take the how questions take care of themselves. So sometimes I'll say that to my clients. I say the answer to how is yes. So if you're preoccupied with how are you going to do it, but how am I going to do it? How am I going to? Yes, 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 yes. That's what I love about my interviews with you. You're always throwing good books out there. <laughs> Amazon loves your interviews. Oh, do they? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to go buy the books that Meg was talking about. As a, as a brand new student to this discipline, in your description about, you know, feeling and perceiving what that energy is coming from the client, my question is, is it a good idea to ask the client about that feeling that you're perceiving while they're clarifying their well-formed outcome? So while we're trying to get them to a well-formed outcome, mm-hmm. is it okay? I probably will have a maybe a confrontational style. I don't know because I do come from an IT realm and an analytical realm. I tend to I tend to always meet people with what they give me Mm -hmm. in terms of. So if someone is giving me an an energy that's maybe low or maybe angry, to Susan's point, do you do you not necessarily confront it in a confrontational way, but confront it in a enlightening way. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm understanding your question correctly, Jamie. If you're talking about on on establishing the agreement and the outcome for the session, well, actually it works for the goal, for the goal setting as well. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. So okay. while we're in that clarifying state, right. just kind of building or I think building rapport with the client, do we do we be authentic in noticing that? Yeah. Here's how I describe that. And, and that's a whole nother session because I get so jazzed about establishing the agreement because I think it's one of the most fundamental pieces of what we do as coaches. And if we don't do it well, then the rest of the session can just kind of be flat. So, and, and if you look at the competencies at PCC level, and especially at MCC level, it talks about exploring, exploration. And often our clients have not done any exploration. They're taking what they should, either what the boss has told them or what they should be doing or what they think they should be doing. And so part of our job is to peel apart those layers and what do what I call mining for the gold, the nugget of gold. So in doing that, the energy, the client energy becomes really important for us to perceive how it is it an exciting thing for them or not? So yeah, you do want to be reading it. You don't want to jump too quickly to a conclusion, but you want to hear what they're saying about what they want to get, where they want to go. What's the outcome? Well, how are you going to define that? Let's explore that a little bit. Let's Don't just take it on face value. And that exploration is about what's the meaning of, of that? What's the value in, inherent? What is that going to bring them when they get there? What's going to be different? One of the questions that we talked about just just a moment ago. What will be different in their life when they achieve that? How's it going to look? How are they going to feel? How will they know? So it gives you some clues on the measurement. When the client starts to tap into that vein of gold, you'll see the energy shift. They'll start to get excited. Ooh, yeah, really? And they there's a glimmer of possibility that maybe they could get there. That's what that's the vein of gold you want to tap into. If they're nonplussed about it, kind of, you know, you you could reflect that to them, give them feedback. Say, you know, when you talk about this, it's your voice. Here's what I'm hearing. How excited are you on a scale of one to 10 about this goal? How important is it to you? Because if it's not, don't waste your time and his time or her time. Let's redefine it. Okay. So 
spend the time up front to explore the fullness of what they want to to achieve because what happens is if the client is more motivated to get there, it's going to be easier for them to design actions, to hold themselves accountable. All those other things are going to fall uh, into place more automatically. If it's a have to or should do, they're not going to, the motivation is going to be low. So I'd like to hear from some of the, the others, uh, others on the call who, who train in this area and what their experience has been as well. But for me, I want to hear that energy that they're kind of excited about it. And I, and I will ask them and I'll tell, I'll give them feedback, whether they, they, you know, and, and ask them to gauge where are they and feeling excited. Good. Wonderful. Lot. Yeah. Does that help? Does that answer your question, Jamie? It does. It does. Thank you so much. Good. Marion, you had put a comment in the box about a safe place, creating safe space. Was there anything you wanted to add to that? No, I was just making a comment when she was talking earlier, way earlier, mm-hmm. okay. about, you know, the listening and not being real assertive about it. It just came to mind the, mm-hmm. the statement we use in coaching a lot about creating that safe space yes. so that they're comfortable sharing whatever is real for them, whatever right. is really, really happening. Right. Absolutely. That is so, so it, well, it's the trust and intimacy, isn't it? And right. sometimes that can take time for them to feel safe and to trust us and trust the coaching process that it's going to be okay. But there's, think, but there's a lot to involved in creating a safe space, but so much of it has a passive quality to it. It isn't about doing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really good questions. Does anybody have an additional question that they would like to ask around client energy, around how we interact with our clients in sessions, you know, that partnership that we all bring? Tom? Yes. I have a client who, it seems like there's a mind-numbing sameness about this person in each each session. And, uh, and I'm more of an introverted type, and so I'm probably pretty cautious about or really do not uh, sort of formulate my my thoughts or my mm-hmm. my development of things uh, orally. I'm, I'm really wanting to to hear what the client says, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and so I'm just wondering in what ways I should challenge this person. I just wonder: is there anything that ever actually upsets you, or is there something? in your situation that really excites you mm-hmm. and maybe just need myself to gain some courage to act those, ask those kinds of questions. Okay. Could you say a little bit more Don, about the, what's the sameness that you're perceiving you're picking up from the client? Yeah. Well, and, and what this is going to be another factor. This person always has a lot of details, a lot of narrative to, to share. And even though I talk about, let's figure out what is the outcome you want mm-hmm. from this session, what will make it worthwhile Somehow we end up caught in this narrative. And maybe maybe my challenge is to just say, hey, stop that. I really want to know how you're feeling, what you're thinking beyond the, the facts of what has unfolded over the last two yeah. weeks since we yeah. met. Yeah. Yeah. Those those kind of clients, I get a lot of those clients a lot. I think, and again, they're not used to being in this realm. And I think also there's still the perception that coaching is like therapy. So they've got to bear their souls. Not sure that we're asking them to do that. A couple of things come to mind when you're saying that, though. One is to maybe revisit for the client what the purpose of the coaching engagement is and, and go back, revisit the goals that he set from the beginning. 
So put the session thing aside for just a moment, go back to what he hoped to accomplish in the overall coaching program. And because sometimes we need to revisit those again, they may have been, they may have been dictated by the organization or it's the should stuff and pick up on that energy. And if they say, you know, how, how excited are you about this? You know, again, those questions of, of what I call connecting the doing goal with a being goal, what's the state of being that they really are seeking. And you may need to gently coax it for, from a client like that. Okay. So revisiting that and making sure say, and you can tell him, look, this is typical for us about midway to kind of take a, another look and review. Are we still on the right, going down the right path? Are we uh, working towards things that are really going to make a difference for you? Are that the things that you really want to? And I find that clients mirror some of me because I had a hard time using the feel word. I hated when someone asked me how I felt. I'm a clear thinking on MBTI. I'm a very clear thinking. So the F word scares me, right? And I've had to learn in coaching that I can actually say that. Your client may be scared of some of these things that he's experiencing. He's new to him. So gently explore and gently explore and try and, again, find that vein of gold of the things that he really wants. That's the I really, I really picked up on your use of the word explore before, and I've, I've made a note to, to really put that yeah. in. And, and at any time in the coaching, in the coaching engagement, don't be afraid for us to go back and say, you know, it's a good time for us to go back and look at the goals that we originally set together. And let's just revisit them and make sure we're still, you know, making the most of our time here. The second, does that help on yeah. yes. that kind of, and that kind of gives another opportunity to reframe where you're really going. And that, and it gives you sort of the, I don't want to say the excuse, but the foundation to be able to say, to call him to refocus his attention, saying, remember, we really drilled down on these goals. This is where you want to go. How is this helping you get there? Is this helping you get there? Okay. Got it. So the competency of direct communication is such an important one. And I think we often are hesitant to use it and we misinterpret that that competency. So it's not about being directive. It's about just gently sharing our observations, gently sharing the feedback or what we're picking up from the client. And I would encourage everyone on this call and and the listeners beyond to take another look at that competency and gain some courage to explore it a bit more as a coach and to pull that tool out of the toolbox more often. And one of the key things, one of the other key things about that is that we do it without judgment without attachment to outcome. Yes. We don't, we can't do it saying, well, I'm going to get the client. I'm going to steer the client this way. No, it's just a simple noticing feedback and then let it go. If the client's not ready for it, let it go. Is that, is that helpful for you, Tom? It is very, thank you so much. You're welcome. Jamie was wondering if, and if that could conceivably be that the client is trying to get the coach to give them the answers, which could be an assumption. But if that were, if that were your, if you were wondering that as a coach, Meg, how might you approach uh, the situation with your client? If your inkling is he's not fully engaging with his own answers because he's waiting for me to give him the answers. Yeah. Yeah. I like. <laughs> well, I, in, in case you hadn't noticed, I'm a bit of a smart aleck. So I might, I might use humor on that and say, you know, it'd be so easy if I could give you the answers. And I love to tell people what to do, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> when I'm wearing my coach hat, 
not so easy. And then I, I'll get a little more serious and I'll share with them. So, you know what, the answers that I have that work for me or what I've seen with someone else may not work for you. And, and again, if you're not, if this is a really what gets you excited or jazz, what's the point? So what we want to do is to be spending our time together, working towards what you really, really want and what's going to make a difference. And I tell, one of the things I tell my clients often is I'm a big believer in tweaking one or two things in a small way that will give you a much bigger ROI. It's the lazy method, I guess, but you know, why not? These people are already, most, a lot of the people we coach have already had successes in their lives in some area of their lives. So encouraging them to go back to that place where they've had success, where they've achieve things and and again getting tapping into their their motivation of what they really want finding the resources within themselves and the answers within themselves is what we're all about in coaching but it's probably for most of them the very first time they've had that or you know likely the only time they've had it certainly with someone who's objective in their life who doesn't have some type of stake in the outcome i mean you think about that really we may be the only person who's the objective thought partner for our client in whatever they're looking towards to achieve. That's remarkable. That doesn't mean we're responsible. Don't misinterpret me. We're not responsible for the outcome, but we may be the only person that they can truly be in that safe space to explore what they really want, why they want it, what's important about it, and then to, to figure out ways to get there. That's, that's huge. It's huge for them. It's a big, big thing. So we want to honor that and we want to honor their own way to get there. And I don't know about, about some of you who've been coaching for a while, but I always, I find that clients come up with much cooler things and solutions than I would have if I'd just given them the answers. Much cooler. Yeah. And, and work so well for them. Go figure. I know. I, know. I learn. I, yes. Again, we, get, we need to be learners. You know, we're there as learners. I get some really good tips from my clients. I go, wow, I never would have thought of that. <laughs> Wow. Susan. One more quick question, Meg. Yeah. Some clients in a business setting, they expect the coaching to be like a business review. Yeah. That's the way they think all day. And now they're in coaching for an hour and they they start off on the the thing Tom mentioned, this long narrative, and it it feels just like a, a business update. I mean, it sounds like the same thing you told Tom would be appropriate here. But if you know the client really well and you know they're going into business update mode, is it okay to say that's what it sounds like? Yeah. Here's where we really want to go. And you're chatting about this. Okay. Is that helpful for you to get over here where you want to go? Just put the question because because if, if, if it's helpful, if it's helpful, if it's really helping you to get where you really want to go, that goal you've defined, so be it. So connect the dots on how that's going to do it. If not, could we, but then my style is, is, is somewhat, I was, a, I was a trial attorney for 15 years. So direct communication comes pretty easily for me. And my clients know that. And I tell them that in our first meeting that I can be somewhat, as we move along, I may you know, hold up the mirror or intervene. That's my style. So find a style that works for you. But, but that is, again, our job in direct communication to do a timeout, hold up the mirror, give them feedback. And, and you look at the competency on, on questions. They're evocative questions. They're not lame, namby-pamby questions. They're evocative questions. Okay. So again, part of our role 
is to be there to be the objective thought partner. And that thought partner is one who may challenge from time to time or question, is this helpful or not? Okay. Okay. So don't be, afraid, don't be afraid to do it, particularly with clients that you've worked with going on. And, and if they say it's helpful. Hey, it's your effort. You're paying for it. <laughs> you know, I've had clients, sometimes they say, you know what, you're the only person that I can just completely let go and have a, I don't want to record a whinge session, as they say in the UK, a complaining session. Great. If that's what you want to do, then if that's useful for you, but I want you to clarify for me what outcome you're seeking. We're going to spend an hour complaining. Where where do you want to go? At the, you know, what's that going to bring you at the end of our hour together? That was awesome. What you just said. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So again, establishing agreement. If the outcome is that they want to feel, you know, feel relief, they want to feel better. Okay, then that's where we're going. Where are you now? I'm feeling lousy. I want to get to 10. If they think that that complaining for an hour is going to get them there, fine. track it in the same way that you would any other goal. Midway kind of pause. How are we doing on that? How are you feeling? And often <laughs> they look, we're 30 minutes into it. How are you yeah, feeling? Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't know about, about your experience, Meg, but I found they often kind of run out of steam after a while. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you start hearing some of the same things yeah. and you start to, you know, it's like, okay, have you, have you purged it? Are you yeah, ready to right. move forward now? You feeling better yeah. about it? Yeah. Okay, great. You know, because let them wallow again. Who do they have to do that? We're often, particularly in the executive coaching arena, we're often the only person they have to whom they can complain about these situations, right? So don't be afraid to to allow that to happen, but hold them to task on what their outcome is. Does that help? Now, Diane asked a question that relates back. We did talk about it in the first interview, but I think it's well worth visiting again, which is what do you do to emotionally, energy-wise, prepare yourself before you go into a coaching session? Okay. I think part of it depends on the, the client. But for the most, I always do something to shake out my energy physically. So I think I put in one of my tips and resources, there's a little YouTube video with Donna Eden that she does of rebalancing your energies. And once you do that, it takes about a minute or two. So I do a lot of that thing of, and if you could just want to shake out your, you know, just do sort of like, what was that dance we used to do as a kid? The hokey pokey. The hokey pokey. Thank you. You know, do sort of your hokey pokey. To sh- it really does help to shake off energies. Imagine that you've got a, one of those things that takes the dog hair off, rolling off energies, because we absorb energies from everybody around us. So just let it go. Take it off. Breathing is essential. So always three deep breaths, drinking some water. And then I ask myself, what is the energy I want to bring into this room? What's the energy I want to bring for my, to be there in creating that safe space with my client? So setting an attention, setting, I talked about this, I think before setting your energy dial, right? Like you put your phone, when you get on a plane, you put your phone on airplane mode, put yourself in coaching mode and set your dial to that. And as I mentioned earlier in this call, for me, that's slowing down my pace. As you can hear from my speaking, I, I like to speak fast. I, in coaching, I really slow it down. I heighten my senses to be listening and paying attention, and I'm there to hold that space for the client and be with the client. So that's, it's a little ritual that I do that only takes a few minutes, but that's what I, I do. I start with the physical and doing that, the breathing, the water, and then the mental setting and the emotional setting that 
So I hope that helps. That is wonderful. Meg, you have given such, I, it's hard to believe that we have already gone an hour. Um, oh my gosh. Because it feels like we just started. But I want to thank you for taking the time to meet with all of us and be able to answer some specific questions from the listeners and share your just incredible experience and presence as a coach with all of us. It's been a real gift. Thank you. It's been a gift for me too. I, I always learn and grow. So thanks to each of you for sharing and I wish you all great success. You know, it's interesting. I obviously was in the interview with Meg, and then I listened to it again in preparation for releasing it, and then was doing some mentor groups this past week, and so many of the questions came to things that the, the my mentor clients were asking me that were enriched by what I had talked to Meg about, about what she shared. I recommend them listen to her wisdom, but it just helps me be that much better of a coach. And I think each of our listeners who came to the show and asked their questions, I want to thank them for that, but that it helped each one of us be stronger in our coaching. So thanks again to Meg Mann for not only coming back for a second interview, but encouraging me to invite listeners for a different taste of the show. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you'd like to know more about Meg Mann or to access the fabulous gift that she has for you that is filled with great information about coaching and competencies and the energy that we bring, go to starcoachshow.com and access that free gift on the resource page. Now, if you're enjoying the show and getting benefit from it, I would very much appreciate a rate and review on iTunes podcast because the more positive reviews we get, the more visibility we get for the show. So thanks again for joining us, for being a part of our community. We'll see you next week. We have the most fabulous shows lined up. Too many even to talk about right now, but be sure to tune in next week. I'll give you a little teaser that we're going to be looking at how companies train their coach, their external coaches, which is sort of a, a phenomenon that is increasing. And Dr. Van Latham will be with us to discuss that. So we'll see you next week. And until then, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success.